I'm Kane Winstead. Hello, Internet. I'm Matthew Derkish. And you're listening to the Untold Talks of Spider-Man, a podcast about deep cuts, forgotten classics, and what it truly means to be a Spider-Man story. Matt, this was your selection, so why don't you tell our dear listeners what we're going to be talking about today? Today, we are talking about a comic that truly counts, Kane. We're talking about 1994's The Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 28, approved by the Comics Code Authority. Yeah, this was the last annual before they just switched over to uh, the years. Right, which, I don't know, for me, Amazing Spider-Man 94 would have had a certain zing and pop to it, especially because I have memories of Spider-Man in 94 being associated with the uh, trading cards coming out at that time. And let me tell you, I've, there are ads aplenty for these trading cards in this comic, uh, <laughs> which was a throwback. I, I never really collected them, but even just looking at them, it's wild. Right. And even before we get too far, I just want to make a note on the cover of something, because this is this is one of my earliest Spider-Man comics. So I've looked this thing over, I don't know how many times, so rereading it, I realized how little I read when I was younger. Um, So... Carnage is attacking Spider-Man. There's the little harness around Spider-Man that's kind of in pink. And there's something that always tickled me a little funny about Carnage, this extreme bad villain having kind of pink coming out of him at the time. <laughs> we're we're break, breaking gender norms all over the place here. Um, the only <laughs> other thing I like, also I want to note about the cover is uh, just a little bit of context. Uh, Carnage is back, and this time Spidey's got to face him all alone. Um, this because this is the follow-up story to Maximum Carnage, where Spider-Man has like almost an army behind him to face Carnage. So, well, and Carnage's army. So, well, I mean, how much of army is Scream, uh, Doppelganger, Carry Shriek. On, Shriek. and Doppelganger? Oh, Shriek! Oh, I'm sorry. You can't, you can't get those confused. They're different characters. <laughs> it's um, been a while since I've read Maximum Carnage, so what, you'll have to forget. Read it every year and take in the magic. Uh, <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, all those were characters that were threats in their own right. And with their their forces combined. I, I hear you. Also, this is it's a misnomer, but it is in a way true. We'll get there. Um, mm-hmm. This annual definitely has the story held within, but there's also a number of backup stories. One's a cloak and dagger one, and one's called Mr. Smith Goes to Town. It is not an adaptation of the movie. It's <sighs> Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Well, you know what I mean, buddy. Man. <laughs> Well, there's also a a story called uh, Mr. Parker Goes to Washington, which is the lead up to Civil War. Right, which we should cover someday. But, Mm. oh, we should. We should really dig in on that Civil War Peter Parker action. I hear there's some consequences that end up going away that uh, people haven't stopped talking about since. I just, I I feel like that goes against the ethos of the show. But, (laughs) yeah, you know, that little red story, Civil War. May or may what? not be Marvel's most reprinted trade. What, you d- you don't think that the untold tales of Spider-Man should cover the story that was literally untold months after? <laughs> Touché! <laughs> but the mini we will cover on the backup here is No Son of Mine, which is a little rhino story, which gave us a twinkle in our eye and a reminiscing moment of Sandman's past. But it isn't about the Sandman at all. Again, we'll get there. So, as Kane mentioned, this annual is very well informed by maximum carnage especially being in the halcyon days of 1994 and halcyon were those days um let's (laughs) let's just jump straight into the mortal past 
um, which is a title. Uh, that, that's the name of this Carnage story in this annual. Um, and unlike any Spider-Man story I've ever seen, there's not like the normal, like what we get now kind of recap thing. In this annual, there's something just talking about Maximum Carnage in three paragraphs. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen something signposted like this before. It's kind of funny that they have to make such a to-do about it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, Credits for this one. David Michelini, writer. Stephen uh, Butler, penciler. Butlerosa, inker. Joe Rosen, letterer. And Tom Smith, colorist. Woohoo. Yeah. Um, so this one, it's not much of a setup. You got Carnage, or I'm sorry, Cletus Cassidy. Uh, you got a scientist guy gloating over how we finally got you, Cassidy, and, and you're never going to get out. And um, guess what happens on the third page? So... <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about this setup, though. We open on this splash page of Cassidy in this monstrosity of a contraption. His hands are bound in tape. His body is, like, pulled apart by this, like, ex- 90s exercise equipment on crack. I don't know. <laughs> He's and got a bow flex. A bow flex of pain and doom. Uh <laughs> His nipples have, like, recording devices over them or something? I don't know what that's supposed to be. What? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. It's, um... Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, And there's a little, like, star patch over where his crotch should be, which I don't know what's going on there, but it's (laughs) the only red on the page, so it pops. Uh, And I just want to point this out, because this is part of what hooked me in more when I was younger, especially, was inside a mobile transport unit, Colorado. And as we carry on talking about Carnage stories, Colorado's going to come up a lot, and it kind of bugs me. So, so basically, at this point, we are going from the vault, which at this point in Marvel history is located in Colorado Springs, because apparently they thought Air Force training base, that's where we should have the vault. I don't know why. (laughs) And they're on their way to Oregon. So they're trekking the new 94 Oregon Trail, because every kid 94 knew the Oregon Trail. (laughs) Hopefully they don't get dysentery. I mean, I kind of hope Cassidy gets dysentery. Oh, well, uh, this was a small detail I completely forgot, but um, in typical 90s fashion, uh, the the Carnage symbiote doesn't just come out. Cassidy has to bleed first before the alien in his blood can be let out. And it's, well, well, it's it's just, it's such, such a 90s little, little touch. Yeah, I, did this change eventually? You know, I don't have the strongest grasp on Carnage. Um, I can't... Going into Maximum Carnage, or I'm sorry, uh, Absolute Carnage, I couldn't even remember if Cassidy was alive or not. Um, Right. Um, Going in, I couldn't remember either. Though I did kind of look this up because I was like, what's going on? And they kind of just play like, he bites down and bleeds. What was established in part of Maximum Carnage, but particularly Spider-Man Unlimited number one, is that Cassidy sharpened his teeth to a razor's blade so that way he could bite his lip at any point he wanted so there you go mm-hmm. and then that's referenced again here um and that's how carnage escapes his his containment 
Yeah, oh, except, from... uh, it's if you don't know that, it doesn't really make sense. It looks like he just bites down, even though there's a bite bar like in his mouth. So it's just kind of weird. Right. He does mention a little bit later that I took the precaution o filing one o my teeth back or my back teeth to a needle point. All I got to do is scratch my tongue with it to settle to set the little buddy in my veins free. Um. <laughs> Yeah I, yeah, I also forgot that Carnage talks like this, and I'm not, I, I can never really tell what kind of, like, accent they're trying to go for. Um, um Preacher. Like, the, the good old boys in Preacher is my best guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think so, he's supposed to be, like, southern hick serial killer, kind of, but then how'd he get to New York? Necess- There's a lot of stuff that's better explained in this annual than anywhere else. Uh... I don't know. I feel like a lot of this changes though. Like this this the carnage in this annual feels a mite different than where where we normally get them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he, uh, Carnage thrashes the guardsman and gets out of the roomiest van ever. This, <laughs> When we're inside it, it feels like this giant sprawling complex. But when he crashes out, it's just a, like a military van. It's one of those TARDIS vans, bigger on the inside. Yeah, Marvel did Doctor Who for a bit. I'll, I'll allow it. Yeah, yeah there we go. Uh, I, I that's, that's entirely why I went with the Doctor Who reference. Exactly. And then once Carnage crashes out, we get Spider-Man appearing just the way you'd expect him, clinging to the side of the truck in Colorado, carrying the biggest gun you've ever seen this side of Cable. I was going to say it looks like something he borrowed from Cable. Technically, he borrowed it from the Avengers. Um, which... Also known for their guns. I was going to say, like, which Avenger just had this laying around? They're like, oh, yeah, sure, Spider-Man, take this giant ordinance. Like, this isn't even... Yeah, this is a 90s comic book god. There's no other way to describe it. (laughs) Like, I'm seeing, like, a little bit of Super Soaker on there. There is... For some reason, a scope on the top of it that you would never be able to actually use because of how wide the the barrel is. Um, Also, I imagine the kickback to something like this would be just tremendous. Um, Not that kickback would really be a huge deal if you had super strength, but still. I um, assume it shoots skateboards doing nollies in a sick kickflip fashion while smelling like teen spirit. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Oh, you forgot that it's also chugging Surge. (laughs) I did. (laughs) Oh, also, we we have to, we should know that this is not a gun, it's a thermocannon. Yeah, it's a thermocannon, and then Carnage turns around and says, put down that gun or I'll kill these cops. And then Carnage busts up the gun, which, I don't know. And then kills the cops. Yeah, and this was a note I read somewhere. Someone was very impressed that Carnage crushed these cops in his symbiote cocoon thing instead of just axing their head off or something. Because he's like, after Maximum Carnage, all the blades and axes got a little boring. It was good to see there's new inventive ways to kill. And I'm like, what's with this reviewer? Because that's not how you talk about that and still sound sane. Mm. Just wanted to note that. Yeah, calm down, Dalmer. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, you know, we we get a little bit of brawl. We get kind of like, Spider-Man throws a really big rock at Carnage. Like, 
Of course he does. Just, all right, throw a real... And then, like, Carnage, you know, plays possum and then stab, attempts to stab Spider-Man, stabs a gas... And gasoline truck. truck. Boom. <laughs> Topical. Uh, for that time, I guess. Um, good thing boom. they're not in Alaska. Fawoom. Fawoom. And then uh, using and the the ensuing uh, bedlam, Carnage escapes. In a cop a... car. There's something pretty funny about... I don't know what it is. Much like that gif of Venom <laughs> driving the truck. <laughs> Carnage getting away in a cop car with the sirens blaring. They don't really have a good shot of that. But it's pretty funny to imagine. I don't know what it is about symbiotes <laughs> driving a car that's hilarious. But it no, is. I'm right there with you. Because as soon as you said that, my mind immediately went to that scene of like venom pulling up and honking the horn <laughs> which is the greatest scene of that cartoon <laughs> if you're not familiar with this just go look up venom truck i'm sure like on youtube i'm sure it will get pulled up um it's a great scene <laughs> Yeah, so Spider-Man pulls the cops to safety, yada yada. And then we get the introduction of Billy Benteen, colon, underscore, subtitle, Carnage's best friend. Yeah, yeah, this is where we move on to the kind of the meat of the story. Uh, Carnage stalking and uh, tracking down an old friend of his named uh billy uh they were old camping buddies back in their youth and um carnage has decided that it is now expected for him to do unexpected things so he's going to start doing things that are expected of him and it would be expected of him to to kill with a pattern so now he's going to kill someone who he knows and and that that's that's kind of under the guise of being an agent of chaos. Does he get a badge? I don't know. It's weird. Is this what Joker was doing at this time in the Batman comics? Like, I know you don't know, but mm -hmm. I'm just like, if it feels very much like they were pulling something here, because this is a little weird. I mean, there's if, a lot of exposition about it. Yeah, there is. And like, going back to my Maximum Carnage memories, I mean, this was a big part of Maximum Carnage too. was like Carnage trying to sell this alternative of lifestyle with his polyamorous family um uh <laughs> the Jared Leto of his day exactly um and uh yeah and so we we kind of we get the history of, of Billy and Carnage where at campus children Billy kind of stood in and took the heat for uh some mischief that Cletus had done and they became best friends with Cletus, like transforming in like in one panel into Jimmy Olsen, Superman's pal. Uh, <laughs> golly, thanks, pal. Like, you know, uh, I, I realized that this would have been like the early 80s, uh, you know, if if this story took place in 1994 and, you know, we flash back to 10 years. But still, still kind of funny. Um, What's funny too in that flashback is they when they want Cassie to look mischievous, he's missing one of his front teeth, and then the minute they want him to look more like a normal kid, they pop that tooth back in. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. Oh. 
other than that though i, I want to say the art in this is pretty spot on we, we normally don't go super deep into art on the show um but i i do want to say that this is really well rendered and uh i mean it's sometimes it's a toss-up especially lately with annuals whether or not you're gonna have like really good art that someone put effort into or if it's more of like well this is a new artist and we're just kind of trying out so we're just gonna throw them on the annual and see how how they work as a storyteller well um, I, I think honestly um f- from my understanding is whether it's good or bad they're trying the artist out to see whether or not they can kind of meet the demands of doing a full comic and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not and it's the trial that some people rise to the challenge so mm-hmm. there, there's some odd choices here like when um spider-man ticks on this cliffside building i it's funny because the locales the way they did this the artist clearly found some reference of some mountain towns in colorado because this looks like the logging weird towns of colorado and all the forestry and everything like of comics based in colorado with superheroes i'm like superman where they went to some netherworld the one time they're in boulder never let that go uh (laughs) here this looks right it's actually i don't know it's a special tickle for me because we never really get spider-man colorado and with good reason much the same reason we don't get spider-man in alabama though quadruply so in that case there's actually a fantastic daredevil story set in alabama uh which is actually based on a true story uh in my other hometown uh memphis technically west memphis which is another city but anyway that's for our daredevil podcast cool i'm looking forward to it um (laughs) but spider-man swings to the side of this building and like where he connects like there's little like energy plates around it i don't know there's some weird stuff and there's one action beat a little later on once carnage and spider-man get into it did you have anything before spider-man carnage get into it because once they're fighting it's kind of just not really yeah um at one point uh there's a little distance and carnage throws some i don't know symbiote spears his way daggers darts whatever you want to call them but because you normally read up to down in this frame there's three spider-men showing action but none are more faded than the other and he's supposed to be jumping up and doing a backflip to the ledge above but the way you normally read it it looks like he's jumping down into the darts (laughs) so there is one movement there that's really misplaced and it's one movement it's not the biggest deal but i've read this comic over a dozen times and i have to do a double take every time (laughs) I, I, i see the panel you're talking about and it's it's kind of assisted by by the letterer who uh mm-hmm. who who puts the word balloons kind of in the order you're supposed to follow but i see exactly what you're talking about it does in fact look like he's swan diving into the darts <laughs> like i've had enough of this crime fighting life let's just finish this um and there's a little like weird there's something here that made me question how the symbiote thing worked because uh at one point spider-man's in a very james bond-esque position where carnage is like pinning him down to where the logs get buzzsawed oh and we didn't establish this billy it works for this logging company because he made this like composite thing that they throw in with the wood that's gonna make them save money save the environment and is gonna make him a truckload of cash but he lost it all when one time he went gambling and got hooked on gambling he lost his wife he lost his child he lost his standing 
He lost everything yeah. to the evils of gambling. So, you know, in typical 90s Spider-Man fashion, we also get the ham-fisted moral of the story. Gambling is bad wrong, kids. Right. Especially in Colorado at this time where it's... I guess they said he went to Vegas. Sorry. Yes. Uh, so anyways, Spider-Man's on this buzzsaw in the logging facility. And he, he pulls off a buzzsaw that's apparently freestanding. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and he slices into the symbiote there but then carnage cries out in pain because like a buzzsaw was applied to it but my understanding of how the symbiotes worked is that wouldn't even really cause them pain it might cause it to morph and like help him break loose but like carnage cries out in pain where he's getting a rock thrown at him it was kind of a <laughs> ouchie i don't know it's bizarre yeah well it, it's just bizarre the way like it happens too because like it's a buzzsaw so in order to cut it's got to spin but spider-man just kind of like yeah yanks it and drops it on himself uh and then it just like slices through like a guillotine um clearly not to his flesh or even his costume or even his costume um so it's it's a little strange but you know it, it is what it is um then we get to kind of the the climax of the story. Uh, Spider Man gets cover, like thrown into a barrel of resin, which hardens and basically glues him in place. Carnage is going in for the kill shot, but then Big Balls Billy decides to uh, to step up to the plate and distract Carnage long enough for Spider-Man to uh, to to break out by basically goading uh, Cletus and saying that like Cletus Cassidy would never hurt me, appealing to the sadistic nature of of uh, Carnage and pretty much gambling that <laughs> that this tactic will work and that the <laughs> Cletus will will That's remove a really good point. Sorry, I Well, yeah, yeah, Cletus will remove the Carnage symbiote so that the the added kind of insult to injury that like, oh, even though we were best friends, you know, it's not the Carnage symbiote that's making me do this. It's Cletus that's wanting to do this. And it works. So the moral of the story is gambling will save Spider-Man. Make sure you gamble, kids. Right. But the kicker, the the get you in the feels is um as Carnage is lying there on the floor with the symbiote looking like strands. Oh, it's kind of weird. Uh, Billy says, Cassie was the best friend I ever had. And I'm just like, make better friends. Jesus. You don't even have to have a really good friend to have a better <laughs> friend than Cletus Cassidy. Well, I, I think that that kind of lines up with what he said in the panel before, where he said that, like, I'd lost sight of what truly mattered. And Cleet reminded me of that. And then and then it's kind of like echoed on the next page where he's checking into Gamblers Anonymous. And and what he means is that Cletus kind of was allowed him to kind of recontextualize his life and realize just like how far he had fallen. And so I think by that, he means that he was the best friend he ever had rather than like an actual friendship between the two. Yeah, well, the way they set up the rest of the story, this guy's kind of a sad sack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Though I, my last big note is when Spider-Man lands that big blow, the the sound effect is shplock, which is a good mix between like the gooey kind of sound you'd have and a good 
crack to the face. I just thought mm-hmm. A plus lettering. A plus lettering. Uh, did, any any final notes or final final uh, thoughts on this issue or on this story within this issue? So there's a lot of oddity going on here. Uh, you know, Spider Man somehow just got down to Colorado with that gun on his back. Um, <laughs> I assume that he was just like hitching a ride on top of the van. I mean, I guess, but the van started in Colorado <laughs> Springs. So, well, I mean, Cassidy was in New York. He somehow made it to Colorado. Yeah, I'm assuming that Spider Man was on the transport the whole time. Oh, okay, well, having adventures and yeah, whatever. Oh, uh, and. <laughs> I don't know. For me, this book has always said to me more about kind of Carnage than a lot of other stories, even Maximum Carnage, because this kind of gets to his childhood and like plays with how far he's willing to go with what he's doing, because there's some actual stakes for him as a character and not him enacting those stakes onto others. And so, I don't know, this builds him up as a villain to me more than pretty much anything else I've read. Yeah, that, that's 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 fair. I mean, Maximum Carnage, I think, is still going to uh, solidify him as a villain in my mind. Well, I mean, he's... Um, Yes, mm. I'm not questioning that. (laughs) I'm just saying, like, his motivations, he uses as a character more than Mm. body count. Uh, All right. Um... So, final note on here is that this ends with a note. Check out all four monthly Spider-Man titles as well as the quarterly Spider-Man Unlimited. So, five Spider-Man books. I mean, I mean this is right before the Clone Saga kicks off. So, we, we kind of knew where we know now that that's where the, it's just, it's still wild to see, to think that they were, we were getting five Spider-Man books. I mean, that, now we're getting more than that. But there's say, Spider-Man that adjacent. Calm. But, like, these are five Peter parker's like books that focus on peter parker spider-man not just spider-man miles morales spider-gwen uh venom uh whoever is the anti-hero spider-man at the at the time be it kane ben or otto um what else we got well we could be having a cloak and dagger backup right after the annual uh yeah so have you ever read a cloak and dagger story because this is it it's every cloak and dagger story (laughs) yeah cloak and dagger fighting drug dealers cloak gets like worried that dagger is going to die and they argue and then they tell each other that they love each other and it ends I mean, both here are that hot. It's hard not to, right? Um, uh, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I Yeah, I have nothing to say here. I've never been particularly attracted to Cloak and Dagger stories or the characters because it doesn't feel like there's a lot going there. And it's super religious, which is kind of a weird churn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, then the next story, Mr. Smith uh, goes to town. It's about a former Spider-Man villain kind of trying to clean up his neighborhood. Um, it's very heavy on narration. Um, not a lot happens it's not a great story (laughs) Uh, it's like not even like a super heartwarming story it's just like it's it's schmaltzy I guess because like he works for a uh, like a a children's center for uh, let's say how how do they put it I think uh, is it learning challenged Um, something like that yeah yeah something like that Uh, learning impaired Uh, the James Coleman Memorial Institute for the learning impaired 
So, you know, he, he hunts down some people that wrecked his, uh, the, the learning center. Um, and then the last story, No Son of Mine, is also about the rhino trying to track down some people who have broken into the home of some people who are, uh, kind of, who have taken him in and, and brought him in as part of the, part of his, uh, part of their family. Uh, yeah, his mother and niece, right? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> mother and niece <laughs> so you know his actual family right. uh yeah so this is a side of the rhino i don't think we normally see and i don't think is actually technically part of continuity anymore but it's uh it's a quick little beat where they've broken in but what really gets them is the niece's locket is stolen and this is like the bit that's too far from because you know let's make the little girl cry so the rhino goes and hunts down these people in his rhino costume of course i, I you know we read spider-man all the time he's in a goofy costume chasing people down but there's something about a guy charging in a rhino suit with his face fully out being like (laughs) what happened to this locket that is funny i mean like the the story plays on that a little bit like one of like one of the mooks is like oh you're gonna hang it off your horn and then (laughs) immediately gets like thrown across the bar for it (laughs) but um you know, it's we mentioned that it kind of echoes that Sandman story where they go, oh, where Sandman grabs a beer with a thing, and it's it's not quite that. No, you know that it takes place in a bar, um, but it's also about Rhino trying to do the right thing. He's trying to get back this locket from these people who ransacked his apartment, um, and you know, there's a little bit of action. There's a, lot, a little bit of shakedown, some intimidation in that. Uh, it's, it's only like a five page story so there's not really a lot to dig into mm-hmm. um, but, but the the end kind of like the O. Henry-esque end is that the rhino gets the locket uh, and what he's trying to do is is you know make a make a, a good life for his mother and his niece and then he also mentions to his mother that like oh uh, I also got restitution money from the criminals who who yeah you know broke uh, you know, broke into the house and his mom snaps at him calls it blood money kicks him out of the house and says uh, you know I won't have you in my home uh, I have no son basically uh, to take take from the title as long as you continue to steal and do god knows what else you'll be no son of mine and uh the last panel is a dejected rhino oh mama i was only trying to make things better which kind of echoes to sandman kind of trying to recount his history to the thing about how he got into crime because he was trying to do right by his his mother um but he he doesn't really know how to do anything else um so it's it paints a more sympathetic note to rhino which we see in things like uh flowers for rhino uh, Rage of the Rhino, uh, a few other Rhino stories. I, there's something about this because it's so rounded so quick. It, it just sums it up. He's kind of a lummox. He's doing it, but he's he's basically that guy that's all muscle, but he's still a human and d- just trying to help his family. And I mean, these crooks knocked them down, took away from them, and he's taking it back. 
I mean, all things being equal, this isn't the worst. Right. <laughs> and, you know, he's trying. And the fact that his mom snaps at him like this, especially given that these people did this to her as well, is a little uh, out of what I would expect from the mother of the rhino as well. And it's just this, <laughs> I don't it, it's something about the story of this guy who's trying and doing what he knows and they're not having it. And it, it's a little sad. It's a little mm-hmm. sad, but also completely earned and you get everybody point everybody has their point of view and you get where all of them are coming from it, for five pages this packs a hell of a punch mm-hmm. uh, i also want to point out that uh you know in the carnage story we have this kind of affected accent on carnage yet in this one narration says that uh rhino's mother and his niece are recently from the iron curtain uh or immigrants from the former iron curtain and yet like they speak plain english even using english idioms and uh you know we we occasionally will oscillate between rhino having like a thick russian accent to kind of just talking like a street mook um but here i thought it was was kind of funny that uh yeah you know, we didn't really see any of that. Um, which... I, I think it pulls away from the story a bit because it does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then at the very back, we get Bagley detailing out uh, Pete's apartment that apparently has three floors and he's born <laughs> in New York. So uh, good on his real estate broker, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I don't know about you, but at the back of my comic, I've got an ad for Champions World Class Soccer only on the Super Nintendo and Genesis. What's a Sega? <laughs> Uh, plus Razzle's Candy and a multi-title sale uh, where I can get 12 issues at, for $15. Nice. Yeah. They're 90s comics, Ooh. though, so that's probably about all they're worth still. I mean, $24, I can get 12 issues of Beavis and Butthead. Do you think I can still cash in on this? Heck yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I think that's it for uh, Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 28. Uh, We have now gotten to the most exciting part of the show, the web of rankings. Where does it land? Matthew Derrigish. That's my name. Don't wear it out. We've got 52 items on this list. One for each week of the year. Yep, there we go. So um, where is this one going to go? Where is this New Year's tale going to end up being? All right. Well, well, so I think this in more ways than one kind of echoes where we were last. So where do we have that on the list? Web of Carnage is number 38 on our list, right below the final adventure at 37, but right above Behind the Terror, that uh, terror story we released on the week of 9-11. We record these a few months in advance, or rather a few weeks in advance, and I don't think either of us really realized the timing there. Uh... Well, I think it uh, signposted the uh, disease I had that I noted at the beginning of that episode. So, I believe that this annual is better than The Web of Carnage. Would you agree with that? Yeah, this is easily the best Carnage story we've covered uh, on this show, which we're about to record uh, Absolute Carnage as soon as we finish this episode. So, this will be a very short-lived title. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm... 
I'm going to be a little bit more generous than just there. I, I was looking more at our uh, benchmark, you know, our uh, pumping up line. I, I don't know if this crosses that pumping up line, but I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm putting it right around there. All right. So in around pumping up would make sense to me. Certainly not above pumping up. I don't believe. No, I would not put it above pumping up. I'm... It's still it's still like the action is a little flat. There are a few things like the buzzsaw stuff that just doesn't really click with me um yeah so i to shoot it down a little bit i'm seeing one or no i'm seeing two that i particularly have trouble putting it above and that is once there was a spider uh, amazing spider-man 439 and the predator and the prey which might be a little more analogous because i was digging deeper into the scorpion and i think that those scorpion issues are a little tighter and a little i, know, I agree better. completely <laughs> so i was actually going to suggest right right past that predator and prey at our 25 which is currently held by sensational annual number one oof okay now here's something that i don't know if we've run into before but if we put this above sensational annual number one i'm willing to bet we'll get some fan mail you know what we don't get fan mail very often so i'm here (laughs) for it I'm here for it. I want people to co- like talk uh, talk about us and be like, man, how do you guys not like this stuff? Like, I, I want to hear y'all's opinions about these kind of things. Um, so yeah, if if you don't agree with what we're saying on the show, like hit us up on Twitter, uh, talk about it. It'll be great. We we can we can talk to you guys about it. We can we can hash out our Spider-Man differences. We're not gonna change the list because it's our list, damn it. But uh, you can still put in your your two cents versus our two hundred dollars. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got two hundred dollars. Yeah. What? Oh, look, look at Uncle Moneybags over there. How do you afford comics if you don't? Have to- uh, so so do you do you want to put this above sensational annual yeah yeah i'm doing it we'll, we'll bait some people cool well now sitting pretty at number 25 on our list is the mortal past Amazing all right spider-man annual number 28 perfect up next in our last issue or last episode of our carnage block i always do that i always anyway is Time Before, which starts in Peter Parker number 13 and then finishes out in Web Spinners 13 and 14. And guys, this isn't just a Carnage story. This ties back to one of our greatest moments, our grandest treasures. It's a, it's a little slice of Slinger's Month, baby. Oh, I was going to say, uh, you know, the the scene of Man Man Mountain. Man Mountain, God, Man Mountain Marco eating that giant plate of hamburgers instead of, you know, shooting up. Why Um, does that tie in? I don't know. Anyway... I want to give a special thanks to the Ellie Badge for providing our theme song. If you want to listen to more from the Ellie Badge, check out the show notes for links. Checking out, or speaking of notes in our show links, we've also got links to that Patreon down there. If you'd like to uh, support the show, uh, you can check out that Patreon. We've got fantastic kickback rewards 
starting at the $3.99 mark, you will hear all of Dan and Mark's opinions on Amazing Spider-Man, Matt and my opinions on literally every other book that Spider-Man has even the slightest web on, plus exclusive access to our members-only channel on our Slack community. And if you want to throw down $10, you will then get twice a year commissioned artwork from Spider-Man artists past and present that you know and love. Uh, So once again, check out the show notes for links to that Patreon and like always thank you guys for listening to the show shoot i thought if you laid down ten dollars you got a video of dan and mark greco roman wrestling (laughs) and until matt realizes that we have to keep these things pg make mine untold (laughs) 